It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, good morning and welcome to a special Land Grant Holy Land College Football Playoff Selection Show podcast episode. My name is Matt Tamanini, and for the first time in a long time, I am joined on a podcast by Jordan Williams. Jordan is normally doing either the I-70 football show or doing the instant recap shows. He's usually busy doing all the pods, but I'm uh, really glad to be joined by him here on Saturday evening. Yeah, we're we're into evening now. So, Jordan, how are you? I'm doing good. It's uh, nice to podcast with you again, Uh, and it's nice to to podcast on something positive. Uh, You know, we needed... (laughs) Uh, the last the last couple podcasts that I've been on haven't been super positive for me, no. so it's nice to yeah it's it's nice to have some some good things to talk about uh, going into the off season. Well, not really the off season, but going into December in the last uh, month or so of college football. Yeah, into the postseason for sure. We are recording yeah. full disclosure at just a little after eight o'clock. The number one Georgia Bulldogs just absolutely obliterated the LSU Tigers 50-30 to in the SEC championship game. We are recording before the start of the Big Ten championship game between the Michigan Wolverines and the Purdue Boilermakers because, honestly, that game doesn't matter. Nothing that happens in that game, short of, like, everybody on Michigan's entire roster breaking both of their legs, is going to have a single bit of impact on the college football playoff seedings that will come out today at noon on ESPN. So I think, Jordan, that you and I are on the same page about who the four teams will be. Obviously, Georgia is in. They're going to be number one. Michigan is in. They're going to be number two. I don't think anybody really has a legitimate question about whether Ohio State will be in. There is still some consternation on Twitter as to who that fourth team will be. Not necessarily number four, because uh, we'll talk about seating here in a second. But the fourth team seems to me to be pretty cut and dry, but there are some folks, especially people who are paid by either ESPN or CBS, uh, campaigning for another team. Where are you coming down on that fourth team? Is there a debate at all between Alabama and TCU? 
No, I don't think there's a debate at all. And I mean, we just mentioned this before we started recording. I understand that college football isn't fair. And I understand how the Big 12 and other things are looked at. But you can't have a team like going undefeated is the hardest thing to do. You can't have a team that's 12 and 0 um, and they lose a good game and not let them in. in overtime. Because if it was Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, USC, obviously they weren't 12 and 0, but if it was any if it was any team with a name, uh, this wouldn't even be a question. Like you said, it was overtime, wasn't a blowout. Uh, Max Duggan had an amazing performance. There's there's honestly just not a single thing that you could say that could convince me they don't deserve to be in there. Even like in certain years, you could probably do like the top twenty five argument. But I saw on the broadcast that they they played six top 25 teams and they're five and one, which is probably better than anyone else in the country. I know Ohio state and Michigan don't have that. So it's like, you know, we we're going to get in the seating and and this kind of stuff, but I think they've more than deserved it. Also, you did it to them in 2014, Ohio state fans. Thank you. (laughs) But are you really going to do it again? And like, come on, let them in. Yeah. I mean, if, if this was a, one loss TCU versus a one loss Alabama, then I think it gets into, okay, who's the better team? But that's not really what the college football playoff committee is really looking at. They are looking at that as part of it. I'm sure that is a criteria, but it's not putting four teams on neutral fields. Who are the four teams that are going to, to, to have the best chance to win? They are factoring in everything that happened through the totality of the entire season, whether it's the regular season or or and or the conference championships game championship games. It is a little bit of amalgamation of both. So they're looking at the roster. They're looking at who the better team is. If you, if Alabama played TCU, I'm probably taking Nick Saban in Alabama, of course. But TCU has done everything that it possibly could have done, save for going for it on fourth and goal, which I thought was a really bad decision. Um, other than that, they've they've won every game. They've beaten some really good teams. The, the, the Big 12 might not be the best conference in the country. It might not be better than the SEC. It might not be better than uh, the Big 10. It might not even be better than the Pac-12, uh, although that's probably you know fairly close. But they played good teams. They, the only team they've lost to, they also beat. Um, they've beaten Oklahoma State. They've beaten uh, Texas. They've beaten Baylor. Um, Oklahoma Beating Oklahoma doesn't mean anything. Beating Kansas doesn't mean anything at this point. But they were ranked teams when they played them. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that TCU is in. And now the question is, who's three? Who's four? Who does Ohio State play in the first round, in the semifinals? And I think there's a couple schools of thought for this, Jordan. In the past, we've seen the college football playoff committee purposely avoid rematches. But almost every time that we've previously seen that, it has been to avoid a rematch that happened in the conference championship weekend, especially, you know, in in, in the SEC when that has happened even last year. I don't know that that will be the same situation here um, between Ohio State and Michigan. Obviously, they played in the regular season finale, but they're not playing in in the Big Ten championship game. So I'm wondering... Do you think that Ohio State, who is probably better than TCU, if even if their resumes you know are fairly equal, do you think they get the three spot because they are quote unquote the better team, or do you think that the the committee puts them at four either because they think TCU is just legitimately better, or they want to avoid having the rematch in the very first weekend of the playoff? 
Yeah, that's a, a really good question. I wanted to go back to a previous point firstly, really quickly. Yeah, please. If you put Alabama and TCU on the field, we're probably all picking Alabama. But this is the one year that I'm not even super confident in that because it Fair. seems a lot of people are forgetting that. I literally tweeted this before we got on. I saw it. I saw Al- it. This is a great Alabama, <laughs> Alabama is a Quinn Ewers injury. And Jimbo letting someone else play call away from having four losses. And those were legitimate. Like, we say this with Ohio State all the time. Did you really feel like they were going to lose? No. Like, we didn't really feel like they were going to lose against Northwestern. We just didn't like it. We like, But Alabama genuinely felt like they could have lost both of those games and should have lost without a little bit of luck. So... I think the Alabama argument should be over, but it's Bama. They're always going to get the benefit of the doubt. To answer your actual question, if I had to predict, um, I would probably say TCU is going to be four because it, it feels like the committee has wanted a reason to disrespect them all Fair. you know, season. Mm-hmm. And what if you're going to look at the two of them and you're going to say they both have a loss, neither one has a conference championship, I could very easily hear them coming up with the argument, well, um, Ohio State lost to the better team. They're the number two, so they have the quote-unquote better loss. Ohio State won all 11 of their games by 10-plus points, where TCU had four or five. Like, they're just going to recycle yeah. all of the arguments that kept TCU out of the top four initially when they had one-loss teams in front of them. And so I think they'll put them in, but I think they'll quote-unquote punish them because they're the Big 12 team, because they lost, um, and they're going to look at kind of the name brand thing. I, I don't really think that they care that much about the um, the rematch, especially because, like you said, it didn't just happen. And it's not, you know, the two SEC favorites kind of thing um, that it typically comes down to. So. I would be honestly, I would be surprised if it's not Ohio State three. Um, I personally think that um, TCU deserves to be three. But um, an interesting thing is also do they and I'm I'm quick to call SEC bias. I'm not calling it on this. Do they say Georgia's number one? They deserve the easier team. I was going to I was going to mention that. Yeah. I mean, like that's a legitimate question. Because realistically, and um, former Ohio State beat writer and now national writer Ari Wasserman wrote, wrote this, that Georgia is one of the biggest losers if Ohio State gets in. Because if they have to play Ohio State, are they going to beat them? It's very possible. But Georgia doesn't want to play Ohio State. Georgia, yeah. that is the last team that they would probably, if you ask them, they would rather play TCU and Michigan over Ohio State. And, so and I USC. Wonder, they probably would. They were yes. salivating over trying to play USC in the first round. And that that defense, I mean, My Utah... God. Utah ran for whatever they wanted to. Like I saw someone say Georgia might not even throw the ball. Like they might just run the yeah. ball the whole time. So um I, I wonder if that's something that they consider as well. If it's like, well, they're they're the number one. Let's see this and how, you know, traditionally how playoffs work. The number one seed gets the worst team and then the two kind of equal teams or whatever um play each other. So I, I say Ohio State's probably gonna be three, although uh they probably don't deserve it. Um, but there's a lot, I think there's a lot more reasons, right or wrong, that you put Ohio State at three, uh, than they could find uh to keep TCU there. Yeah, not this doesn't have necessarily an impact on who's three or four. But another thing that does play into Georgia's favor when you're talking about, well, who are you going to seed it for? Give the benefit of the doubt to to, to Georgia, give them the best matchup. They're going to be playing at home. 
Um, the two semifinal locations this year are the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, where Georgia just won the SEC championship game, um, you know, 20 minutes ago. And then the other one is really Ohio State's home away from home at the Fiesta Bowl. So either way, whomever Ohio or whomever Georgia ends up playing in the semifinals, it's going to be a home game. They're going to have a decided crowd advantage. Uh, so it will be interesting to see. I I do wonder kind of taking off from there. I, I, I don't care three or four from a committee standpoint. I don't, I think they can justify it either way they want. I don't think they are going to stick to anything that we can predict because they don't ever stick to anything that we can predict. They just kind of make it up as they go along. So I think that that's what they're going to do. They're going to decide either. We want to give Georgia the better game uh, or the better matchup in the semifinals, or they're going to say, we want to avoid a rematch. And then they're going to contort, you know, the resumes and the rationale just to fit whatever they want to do anyway. So I don't know that it's really possible to predict, but I think you're probably right that Ohio State's three. Um, I don't really care from that perspective. What I care about as an Ohio State fan and blogger and podcaster is like, I want to know what's a better matchup for Ohio State. And I think there's two ways to look at it. Going into the semifinals, if things shake out like you think they will and they play Michigan first, we we've seen this game before. We we know how this game has been played twice over the last two years. We just saw it at this point a little over seven days ago. But to me, if Ohio State's going to play Michigan, I want them to do it in the semifinal, not because it wouldn't be awesome to beat them for a national championship, but Michigan thinks they have Ohio State's number at this point, and they clearly have in the last two games. That's not saying anything that's not true. Michigan has Ohio State's number. But if Ryan Day is able to pull his head out of his ass and stop doing things that don't play to the strengths of Ohio State, I want it to be a surprise to Michigan. I want them to have essentially, what is it, 28 days to prepare for that game and to get things ready that Michigan has no chance of having any express knowledge of. So for me, I would like Ohio State to be number three to play Michigan in the semifinals because I want to give them the best chance to throw new things at a team that has solidly beat them up and down the field twice in as many seasons. So maybe I'm looking at that the wrong way, Jordan, you're much better at the X's and O's than I am, but just from like a strategic standpoint, I want to give them the best chance to pull some surprises out of the hat against Michigan without having to put anything else on film before they play them. Yeah, absolutely. And I I definitely agree with that. And kind of in like um, X's and O's or just how it plays out in the field. I think there's two things that can, I'm not going to say should or will, but can work in Ohio State's favor. One, I'm of the opinion that this was the biggest game of Jim Knowles' career. And he let the pressure get to him, which I don't know that he'll do again, except maybe in a national championship, because then that'll be the biggest. But he's heard all the like they hired him to beat Michigan. Right. That's what we're talking about. I think he I think he came in with a sense of bravado and he didn't make the adjustments that he normally does. If you give him 20, uh, 28 days to stew and to plan and to go into his office and not leave, um, I'm very confident in what he would come out even more so that I'm confident in my next point, which is Revenge Ryan Day. We've only seen it once, but like we know what happened with 2020 Clemson. And I think that there's a chance that Ryan Day does that 
And you could argue that this should have been revenge Ryan Day, yeah, right? I agree. Because of what happened last year. Um, I think Ryan Day, I'm not going to make any excuses for him. He he failed. He fumbled the bag on that one. But I don't know that he'll do it again. But even more so on that, because I have my feelings on him, especially if he doesn't give up play calling. I don't think that Jim Knowles lets that happen again, more importantly. And the hardest thing about what happened this year, last year, what they did was repeatable. If we were to play them again, it's very easy to believe that they would do that again. This game, they had five touchdowns and they averaged 69 yards on those touchdowns. That is not repeatable. Not nice. for it's not nice. Anyone. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not nice, but it's not repeatable for you can't do that in a video game. So that like I, I'm just not of the belief that that can happen again. Even if they're big plays, they're not all going to go for touchdowns, right? Yeah. Like none of those play, like Jim Knowles' defense has been pretty good in the red zone. None of those plays were a 50-yard catch where they got tackled on the 15 and then had to f- kick a field goal. Like they all went for touchdowns. So that is what would give me confidence in another matchup. And while, you know, we'll get into this more if we do play Georgia and, you know, we do previews and that kind of stuff, I believe that Georgia, just like everyone else, has weaknesses that um, Ohio State can exploit. And we saw LSU, their backup quarterback, passing all over them at that, um, which should give Ohio State fans some hope. Kirby Smart is a great coach, and they have all of the great players. I would just like to avoid them. And I know this sounds like whatever, but I would much if we're going to lose, I would rather lose in the national championship than the semis. We've lost enough in the semis. So I think we also have the better chance of beating Michigan. So for that reason, I would rather play them as well. I think there's a lot of reasons, but um, wanting to hold off on Georgia as much as possible. And then also the belief that Jim Knowles is not going to let that happen again in that way, um, because we weren't out physical. Right. It wasn't. I mean. Up until the fourth quarter, they had 30, 40 rushing yards. At halftime, they had 11. So it's not, it's just not a repeatable performance like it was last year, where I would have bet my next salary that if we played Michigan a week later, they probably would have did the same thing. Yeah. And it, it was really interesting in that game because when Knowles was <laughs> calling plays to stop the run, they stopped the run. And then when JJ McCarthy just started getting every single break in the passing game, Ohio State's defense, I mean, I mean, especially Ohio State's defensive backs really not being good. And it wasn't just the cornerbacks either. The safeties were pretty piss poor in the game too. Um, he started throwing it well. And then Ohio State decided to change its defensive philosophy and try to stop the throw. And that's when they started to run. It was like Knowles was not prepared to have to stop both of those things. Uh, they were clearly selling out to stop the run and it worked. They would not expect McCarthy to be able to beat them through the air, and he did. Uh, I don't know that that's possible to do again. I, I will say I interviewed Gus Johnson earlier this past week, and when I asked him if Ohio State was to get into the playoff, what they had to do to kind of fix what he saw in the horseshoe last Saturday, the first thing that he said, and this might be because he's not the X's and O's guy, and I, if I had talked to Joel Klatt, maybe he would have had something a little bit more specific, but Gus said, They've got to get healthy, like not having Trevion Henderson or Mayan Williams really available for that game, although Mayan did play a little bit, um, completely changes the Ohio State offense. And I'm still waiting for somebody to ask Ryan Day because not that no one has tried to ask him because uh, they did not have an Ohio State beat press conference this past week. But like, I'm still not sure why the hell Chip Tranium was the was the 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 marquee running back in that game after we'd seen Dallin Hayden 
kind of do what he'd done in his opportunities. Uh, I don't know if that was a toughness thing, which I think is part of the problem with what we've seen throughout this entire season with Ryan Day, or if it was Downs a freshman and he's concerned about him holding onto the ball, which is something that Day has you know kind of alluded to throughout the season, although we haven't seen Hayden put the ball on the turf much in games. Um, but if Mayan and or Travion are as close to 100% as they can be. Because, I mean, essentially, Mayan didn't play um, all that much in uh, against Michigan. So, effectively, he has a month to, uh, to get healthy for the game. Travion has more because he didn't play in that game at all. So, he's got five-plus weeks. So, if one or both of those guys are healthy, I think that completely changes the offense and gives the passing game... Uh, and C.J. Stroud opportunities to have a little bit more openness with the field. And that's not even factoring in if Jackson Smith and Jigba is able to come to the field. So for me, I love the, I mean, I don't love the fact that Ohio State lost to Michigan and then therefore did not get to play in the Big, uh, Big Ten Championship game. But them getting in, it kind of played to the strengths of, of, of what the Buckeyes needed to have happen because they have to get healthy. And having the extra week off might be just just what they need for that to happen for the semifinals. Yeah, and I also think hope hopefully we'll see, especially in the offseason, um, because getting into the playoffs does not change some of the things that need to change. Hopefully Ryan Day got humbled a little bit. I think one of his problems, and not trying to make an excuse for him, just from what I pick up from him, I genuinely believe that he is an offensive like savant. I yeah. think, and this I think maybe even goes to your point with Dallin Hayden. I think he sees all the things that can go wrong and he tries to outthink himself and he tries to outplan the things that can happen instead of the realization that these are 18 and 22 year olds and you have to be flexible. And I think that shows in things like two or three plays um, to Kate Stover, who has been great, but why are you throwing throwback plays and you know, uh, clearing out the field, single side receiver plays the Kate Stover when you have the best wide receiver in the country. And you do that because you're trying to outsmart everyone. You say, well, they're not going to think about this. So let's do it instead of saying they may think about it, but they can't stop Marvin Harrison. And so I think hopefully, uh, as we've seen him do occasionally, but he doesn't do um, enough. It's kind of like he like changes it for a week or two and then reverts back. He kind of has the tendency to get out of his head when bad things happen. The biggest problem is it only lasts, like I said, for a week or two. And I think that's another benefit to whoever we end up playing in that first game. I think Ryan Day is not going to make those same mistakes again. Am I confident he won't do that in a national championship? Absolutely not. But we're only talking about the semis. We're talking about the first game and some of the things that hopefully he's learned um, from losing to Michigan again in a way that is just kind of doesn't even like three points, you know, in the second half, we can talk about the defense all we want, but this offense scored the best offense in college football scored three points and a half. Like, yeah, it's that that's insane. Like that should not happen. Um, that is not 100% on Ryan day as the play caller. Um, because obviously the players are the ones that are out on the field and they did not execute what was called. But I still put a lot of that on the play caller and out thinking himself and not just playing to the strengths, which is what I think we've all been saying all season. Just like let your dudes be dudes. Um, there's a reason that they are the best offense in the country. And it just felt at times, especially in the second half of that game, that Ryan Day was doing everything he can to 
try to be the dude rather than letting his players be the dudes. Um, but whatever. Ryan Day did appear on ESPN College Game Day on Saturday morning. And there's a quote that like, I feel like, yes, this is what we want to hear, but it sounds really familiar from him. And I don't know that this is good. He said, um, we're going to play loose. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to go at people. And there can't be moving forward anybody in our program that presses at all or feels pressure. We're just going to roll. And I think we can be da- we can be a dangerous team in the playoffs. That sounds, especially that first part, we're going to play loose. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to go at people. That sounds like he's talking about toughness, Jordan. And I'm really <laughs> tired about Ryan Day talking about toughness because whatever his definition of toughness is, is not mine. And whatever his definition of toughness is, didn't work. And I would rather, you know, I've written this a few times, like Josh Gaddis did not say that Ohio State, I I don't know his exact quote, but his essential thing was that they are a finesse team rather than a power run team. He wasn't saying that they're soft. That's a completely different thing. Being soft and being finesse are two different things. To me, being finesse is... 100% what Ohio State's team is. They have the best skill position players in the country, at least the best, you know, combination of them, especially at the wide receiver position. That is a skill thing. You go out and do that. Would it be nice for Ohio State to also have a road grading offensive line? Sure. They don't have that. What they have is an offensive line who is really good in pass protection. That is what you want for a team with the best collection of wide receivers in the country. And I still think the best quarterback in the country, even though um, he might not have shown that in the game last Saturday. So like, I don't, yes, I want Ohio state to be able to run the ball. I don't need them to be a run first team, which is what I think Ryan day thought toughness meant. What I want is the run to be something that is a change of pace when the opposing team is starting to get a little pressure on CJ Stroud, or they're starting to drop extra guys into coverage. I want then for one of the running backs to be able to take a ball up the middle and run for seven, eight yards. I don't need the 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 running backs whomever it is to be getting three yards in a cloud of dust and i feel like that's what ryan day wants and i don't i I, that's dumb i I, we don't i don't i don't ever want to hear an ohio state coach say our goal is to have 250 yards passing and 250 yards rushing no that's dumb that's old that's urban meyer's thing that's a different era of college football even though it's less than a decade old Ohio State should be throwing for 350 and running for 150. That is a much better breakdown. And I don't know that Ryan Day sees that yet. Yeah. And I think the for me, because I call this team soft all the time. Yeah. Uh, right. Aside from aside from them not wanting to play in cold weather, which I stand on forever. I know you do. Yeah. They, we've, we've argued, we've argued, we've all argued about this in our Slack channel. Yeah. Multiple times. For me, the toughness is a mental thing. Yeah. Like it's not a it's not an on the field thing, right? You have a six foot five, three hundred pound, like they're not soft physically. It for me, it's mentally, and you hear teams say things like you can tell when their will breaks. That is what I think people say when they're not tough. And I think that quote and other quotes, it's like I I heard him say that. And my first thought seriously was, who are you telling that to? Are you telling us or are you telling yourself? Like, I think the whole toughness thing was him talking to himself, like him, which positive affirmations are great, but it doesn't Uh feel like he believes it. It feels like he's trying to convince himself by saying it out loud. Oh, we're going to be tough. We're going to play loose. And he's like telling himself this. And it sounds good, but it's like, do you really believe it? And one thing that I said on a podcast with Chris is, I don't think that Ryan Day truly 
trusts and believes in his players sometimes. And you can tell by the play call. I've mentioned CJ Stroud and I asked a question and I'd love for you to answer it. In, sec- in his second year, did Justin Fields have more responsibility, obvious, because we don't know ins and outs, more obvious responsibility at the line of scrimmage? Yeah, I I think we saw a lot of Justin Fields in his final year at Ohio State making changes at the line of scrimmage, calling out audibles, calling out protections. I think I remember him distinctly walking across the line and pointing at things, which is something you're right. I don't think we see C.J. Stroud doing, and I don't know if that's because he's not capable of it or if Ryan Day is is trying to maintain some control. But yeah, I think that's a, a huge difference between these two quarterbacks. But everyone who's ever talked and, you know, sometimes you lie about your quarterback to make him feel good or whatever. But everyone who's ever said anything about C.J. Stroud talks about how smart he is, mm-hmm. how much he studies. I mean, they were talking about he's, you know, a 19 year old freshman and he's sending us clips throughout the week where, you know, I'm a fourth year senior and Chris Olave and things like that. And it, it just feels like Ryan Day won't take his hand off the offense a little bit and just kind of like you mentioned earlier, let his players play and let his quarterback be a quarterback um, and change some of these things. Cause I'm telling you, first of all, and I know this because I know CJ Stroud grew up playing Madden. He can tell <laughs> when they shouldn't run the ball somewhere because there's too many people in a box, but he's not allowed to check out of it. And this is maybe something he should work on in the NFL. You can tell by his body language every time he disagrees with something when it results in a bad play. Like when it's like he hands the ball off and it gets tackled for a loss because there's eight people in the box, you can physically see that he didn't want to hand the ball off there. Um, And so I think that that is that toughness aspect. It's the mental toughness. It's the belief that this play, this, what we do isn't working now, but it's going to work if we continue doing it. Michigan believed they switched up a little bit, but they believed that at 11 yards at halftime that they could still run the ball. If Ohio State had like 50 passing yards at halftime, do you like, I don't know that Ryan Day would trust it, especially if they had 11 rushing yards, he would never run the ball again. Like, I mean, he just I, wouldn't. I don't <laughs> so, know that I'd be mad about that though, but that's well, a that, that's another discussion. Your point, your point is very valid though. I just don't think he believes in I don't know if it's himself for the players or what it is, but that's where I think the toughness is. When things get tough, when moments get tough, they tend to break, which is what happened with the defense, because two a 75-yard run followed by an 80-yard run is not them being better than you. It's you kind of just giving up. Like you just like, yeah. okay, you know. Yeah. We've talked a lot about Ohio State potentially playing Michigan. Let's wrap up real quick. What if Ohio State ends up drawing Georgia in the semifinal? We just watched Georgia effectively obliterate LSU. I mean, they got it within, you know, 20 points at the end, but it, it was – I mean, Kirby wasn't playing his starters in the second half of the fourth quarter. So what is Ohio State's key to beating Georgia? You mentioned earlier, like even LSU's backup quarterback was throwing all over Georgia. And obviously that the game was almost at pretty much out of hand at that point. So that's a little bit of a different situation. But what can Ohio State do on both offense and defense to hopefully have a shot against the defending national champions? So I hate to say this because a lot of things sound good on paper. I think we're a nightmare matchup for Georgia. Doesn't mean we're going to win. 
I think there's on offense, there's two things that they need to do. Ryan Day needs to treat CJ Stroud like he's the best quarterback in college football and treat Marvin Harrison Jr. like he's the best wide receiver in college football. Throw Marvin Harrison the ball 15 times, 20 times if you have to. Literally, like what you I don't always agree. I think there should be maybe a little bit more balanced than what you said, but not against Georgia. That 350-150 thing you said, that's what it needs to be. You can like and don't run the ball at all on third and fourth and short because they're going to put in like we saw what they did to LSU that, that you're not getting that yard. Just just throw it. Throw the slant to the best wide receiver. So I think like play hero ball and I'm I'm almost never for hero ball. But we Jaden Daniels and Nussberger, whatever his last name is, yeah, whatever, yeah. I don't know his first name. He they're not on CJ Stroud's level. Let those wide receivers put four of them on the field and play. um Seven on seven. That I think is going to be it because they have Keely Ringo. He's great, but he's handsy. Um, they talk like I read a lot of draft profiles, and everyone says it because he's six, he's like six two, two fifteen. So he bullies people, but that gets a lot of flags. Play seven on seven on defense, like yeah. Yeah, real quick, I would just say um, LSU's two quarterbacks, um, Jaden Daniels, played a a little more than a half, I think. Um, He was 16 of 24 for 208 yards. Um, Garrett Nussmeyer was 15 of 27 for 294. So they had a combined 502 passing yards. Again, this was a blowout, so they stopped running the ball. They only ran the ball, this is including sacks, a total of 20 times. But that's still 502 yards passing. So like yeah. that's a lot of yards they gave up. There's a there's a lot of yards available against the team, and so that is the offensive key. CJ CJ Stroud treat him like the best quarterback in, the, in college football, which he is. Treat Marvin Harrison like the best wide receiver, and just make him stop it. You don't have to get cute. You don't have like just go throw deep. Whatever you have to do, seven on seven, and I think that gives you the best chance because I'm actually much, I think, higher on Ohio State's offensive line than many people are. I don't believe most of their issues are on them. I think it's on the running backs and play calling. But Georgia's defensive line, especially in the middle, is different. I wouldn't even challenge it. On defense, the the one thing that Georgia doesn't have is they don't have wide receivers. So if you can play the tight ends, which Ohio State has played tight ends well so far, we haven't seen a team with three of them, but they played well against Iowa's tight end. They played well against uh, Michael Mayer, who people are saying is Notre the best Dame. tight end yeah. coming up in the draft from Notre Dame. If they can not even like, like stop the tight ends, Give him the LeBron treatment. One player's not going to beat you. He can have 150 yards and a touchdown, but like if they can not let the wide receivers beat them and they can three, four yards of carry, not six or seven for the running backs, three, four yards of carry, and you maybe Brock Bowers gets off, but the other ones don't, you give yourself an option. How, how do you, That's how a, do you, real quick, how do you stop the wide receivers? with this collection of cornerbacks and again the safeties i don't think played super well against michigan either what do they have to do uh, i mean one health again going back to what gus johnson said getting all of the cornerbacks completely healthy i guess will help but like it's got to be more than that yeah i think that so and history kind of backs this up if you look at a lot of the best wide receivers in the league a lot of them come from the big 10 uh um, obviously, there's kind of a recent trend with the LSU guys and stuff, but a lot of the best wide receivers in, in the league are from the Big Ten. You play good wide receivers. There's not really anyone currently today on Georgia's offense who's better than some of the wide receivers that you faced. 
So if you kind of, it's like a team defense thing. It's like an ego thing, right? Maybe get out of some of the man coverage, get out of some of the things that has gotten you in trouble and you focus on keeping them in front of you and tackling, you do that. Because what Ohio State, their biggest problem is they're always there, but they get out jumped. Georgia's yeah. wide receivers can do that, but maybe let's let's be slightly less aggressive. Let them catch it and then tackle them. Because when you get out jumped, then you miss the tackle and then they run for 80 yards. Um, I know that's not super like, you know, X and OZ and things like that, but I'm not super concerned as long as the health is a big thing. Um, Denzel Burke hasn't allowed a touchdown since October 1st, and he's at like 54 completion percentage on the year, which is really good. Um, yeah, he had a great second half. Like after yeah. we all were calling for his job, like he once he got semi healthy, like he's actually ended up playing super well. Yeah, I think the I think the biggest thing is kind of you can't let the quote unquote weakness beat you. That's what they did with Michigan. Michigan's wide receivers aren't that good either, but you wouldn't be you wouldn't have been able to tell in that game. You, the focus is going to be on the tight ends, but you have to play sound in your playmaking. I think this is on the players and not the coaches. You can't let the weakness beat you. You can't let the thing that you should have a strength over or at least be equal. Um, because I'm not sure that there's many matchups where our corners are equal with the wide receivers, but I think with Georgia where they would be you can't lose that matchup. And I, I think that that starts with the players. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the coaches can do anything. I think the players just have to play up to their level, which they didn't do against Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that the coaches can do is, is really look at when, if ever you go with straight man with these cornerbacks, especially if you're not hundred percent healthy. I mean, um, especially man cover zero. Like it was, those things were getting exploited by JJ McCarthy, who I'm not going to say anything bad about him because he looked like a freaking all-star uh, against Ohio state, which the Buckeyes tend to have the opportunity to give average quarterbacks or even backup quarterbacks their best games of their careers. But hopefully that won't happen. So. All right, Jordan, well, let's, let's get out of here. Um, at noon on ESPN will be the official college football playoff seeding. Um, obviously, again, Georgia's now going to be number one. Uh, Michigan's going to be number two. The only question will be whether Ohio State is three or four. Both of us think that they will probably end up being three, although you seem to be more confident about it than I am. I, I don't think it matters one way or the other. I, I, I think it's going to be a challenge no matter who you end up playing, but it'll be one that I'm very glad that we are getting the opportunity to see the Buckeyes take. So, uh, Jordan, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at JordanW330. And you can find me at BWWMatt. Don't forget to uh, to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. Make sure you're subscribing to the Land Grant Holy Land uh, podcast network. We are, I guess we're still going to be pumping out at least one, if not two, podcast episodes every single day throughout the college football playoff, at least the semifinals. And with men's and women's basketball underway, we are having even more content than anybody else in the Buckeye podcasting universe. So thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.